Welcome to our Changing the Narrative podcast, where we have thought-provoking conversations about housing, homelessness, and community with local and national experts. I am Anne Miskey, President and CEO of Union Station Homeless Services. My guests today are dedicated to the belief that housing is a human right. In fact, they're conducting a national advocacy tour to help get their message out. Susie Shannon, who is the Policy Director Housing is a Human Right with the AIDS Healthcare Foundation, having previously been unhoused herself. She advocates for unhoused and low-income communities. Welcome, Susie. It's wonderful to have you here today. Thank you for having me. Our next guest is Mary Ann Cellini. Mary runs the Los Angeles field office of the National Coalition for the Homeless in partnership with Housing is a Human Right. She analyzes geographic and county public information for data-specific projects, and we love that data. So welcome, Mary. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Our third guest is Andre Martin. He is a community organizer also with the National Coalition for the Homeless and is helping to organize their new local power tour. Andre, welcome as well. Thank you so much for having me. Let me ask a question, basic question. What do you mean by housing is a human right? To say that it's a a right is basically to say that everyone deserves to have a roof over their head, a door that they can close for privacy. And if you start with that concept, then you look to the actual solutions. And the solution to homelessness is housing. The fact that we even have to have a conversation about housing as a human right is really kind of sad because we have seen a narrative happening out there that somehow people have to deserve housing. They have to prove themselves. And the fact is you can't really adequately survive or be safe or be healthy when you don't have a home. And there has been a lot of fear mongering happening out there about people experiencing homelessness. Everybody's an addict. Everybody has mental health issues. And then, of course, there's the famous, everybody is service resistant. They don't want to be housed. They actually want to live under an underpass or behind a store by the garbage bins. You know, they've chosen that life. What are your thoughts about sort of this fear mongering that we see going on around the country when it comes to those experiencing homelessness? Well, I mean, you're spot on that it is fear mongering. All these things that people like to ascribe to every single homeless person in the county, drug addicted, mentally unhealthy, are in fact less than half, much less than half. But also when you look at a lot of the stereotypes, those stereotypes are really societal problems. The majority of people who are drug addicted actually are housed. Majority of people who have alcohol addictions are housed. Majority of people who have mental illness in this country are housed. And so these are all societal issues that people are dealing with in all different ways. The majority of people who are experiencing homelessness are experiencing it due to very simple reasons of not being able to pay the rent Mm -hmm. or having lost their job. And you see this borne out across city after city after city, despite the fact that every locality is so different. The thing that really correlates most strongly to rates of homelessness in a city are the cost of renting an apartment in that city. It's 
really important to break down those stereotypes and for people to understand, first of all, anyone can be homeless. I think it's like 40% of the people now in the United States are one paycheck away from losing their housing. And as rents go up or people lose their housing from loss of a job, they're more likely to become homeless. I mean, right here where we are located, a one-bedroom apartment costs $3,200 a month. You have to make over $100,000 a year to afford a one-bedroom apartment. That's what's happening here. So even if we help people with mental illness, and we should, and with drug addiction, we should, it's not going to solve homelessness because it is about the cost of housing. But... It's very politically advantageous to create this fear. It creates sort of an enemy within the community, someone to be scared of, someone who might be taking your resources, someone who politicians can say, oh, we have this solution, we have this thing that is meant to protect you from those people within our community who we don't trust, who we don't believe are as deserving. And if you don't know much about homelessness, it's very easy to fall into those narratives and then get sucked along for policies that not only hurt those people in your community, but you as well, because it's very expensive to not help the homeless in your community. It's Mm -hmm. a costly and cruel behavior. We are going all over from states with different kinds of politics, different kinds of politicians, but it's the same, the same problems Mm -hmm. in the same areas. So, okay, the politicians are liberal here, they're conservative here, but yet the numbers of their unhoused are similar. The treatment of their unhoused is similar. That's another important thing to highlight because some people think, oh, you're in California, it's more liberal. Oh, you're in Florida, it's more conservative. Well, both those states are not doing very well by their unhoused community. So we are going to hope that we can shed some light on what's going on. But, you know, I think one thing that's really interesting, you talk about the politics. And we're in a country right now that is so polarized and divided. But people might be very interested to know that Housing First has long been a bipartisan issue and, in fact, was not brought in under a Democratic administration, but was brought under the Bush administration. It was actually a Republican administration that looked at the data. It looked at the facts and said, A, it is much more successful than what we have been doing, which is only shelters and criminalizing, and it is also much cheaper And so those things together made it the national policy. I'm wondering if we should just talk a little bit about what do we mean? We keep talking about housing. So what is housing first? I guess I will take that on since I was the drafter of SB 1380, which is the housing first legislation. But what we're saying is that first and foremost, get people into housing. So that means that they don't have to go through a drug addiction program, say, or any kind of program to be quote unquote housing ready. All of the statistics have shown that to move someone into housing and to get them stable actually helps them deal with any other trauma that they may be dealing with. And until that happens, it's actually very hard for someone to get back on their feet. If you are, say, living on the street in Skid Row, you are dealing with rats running over you at night, having to leave your stuff if you even want to go to a doctor's appointment, and then potentially having that stuff stolen. And so what we want to do is prioritize 
moving people into permanent housing as quickly as possible. And we've seen, you know, a number of places where they have actually made incredible accomplishments using housing first models. The state of Utah is the first state to reach a functional zero in chronic homelessness, and they did that using a housing first model. They didn't necessarily do that out of the goods of their heart. They saw that they actually saved a lot of money to $10,000 per person per year. And so if we can take those solutions, and some of them come from Europe, some of them come from the United States, and we can bring those into different communities, and we're all sort of working together on the solution, hopefully we can end homelessness. Yeah, the fact is, it is successful. I've been hearing a lot of people lately saying the numbers are growing in California. So obviously housing first isn't working. The fact is we've housed in the past three years over 80,000 people permanently. I think it's a record anywhere. The problem is the inflow is greater than the outflow. Housing first doesn't work if you don't have housing. If you have housing, it is incredibly successful. And Susie, as you mentioned, it is also much more cost effective. Here at Union Station Homeless Services, we have a 97% success rate with our housing first model. That means once people move into housing permanently, they stay housed. It does work and it is less costly for the taxpayer. So we can't go back to this old model. In fact, we are starting to see communities trying to go back. We see that for government policy, organizations, even stakeholders in the community, they tend to default sometimes into old ways and uh, a lot of programs that haven't worked in the past. And so what we need to do is to be very forward thinking and look at models that actually do work to get people into housing. So we look at buildings that are empty in cities that we can reutilize for low-income communities and homeless communities. We look at building using prefab modular housing so that it costs less and then we can build more. And we look at everything in terms of being informed by folks with lived expertise so that we're not just advocating for something because we think it might be good. We have to listen to people. Do any of you want to talk about sort of what are the results of criminalizing and sweeping people? They can often lose all their documentation. They can lose their social security cards. They can lose all their money. People have died from the sweeps. They've been misplaced. There's never been any evidence of it being a solution, and it's not an effective way to help anyone. And it's it's dehumanizing, too, and it's meant to be dehumanizing. And it's meant to be uh, a way that politicians in particular can say that they're helping their community by moving people out of it. From the human aspect of it, you know, you can imagine someone who has just one photo of their mom and that gets swept away and thrown out. And it's very traumatizing. So, mm-hmm. it, and it's meant to be that way. And it creates further impediments to moving out of homelessness as soon as the government starts interacting with you as a criminal for the simple act of being homeless. A criminal record makes it harder to get a job. These sweeps uh, lead to confiscation of property, which means you have to spend more money to buy basic subsistence items. So it becomes longer till you can afford to put a down payment on a new apartment, pay a security deposit, whatever it might be. These are things that actually 
help keep people homeless for longer. And Housing First is really something that helps reduce the number of hurdles to move out of homelessness because you can store your property in your home, you can buy food and keep it at home so you don't have to pay for a restaurant every night. Yeah, absolutely. The criminalization also then builds that idea in the public's mind that they're criminals. These are dangerous people. When the crimes they're committing it's living. It's it's being able to sit down. It's been able to sleep. If you don't have a house, where do you go? And no, you can't just go to a shelter because there are about five or 6,000 shelter beds in Los Angeles and about 65,000 people experiencing homelessness. So do the math on that one. There's no place for people to go. So criminalizing people just puts them in and out of the jail system, costs a huge amount for the taxpayer. And the stigmas too will prevent people from going for help when they need help. Many times people that I've helped have just lost their job and they won't go for help because there's such a stigma in terms of going for government help, utilizing programs that they've actually paid into. Um, There was just one thing that I had meant to ask and that is, but what about all those people who actually don't want to be housed? What about all those people on the streets who've chosen to be homeless? Becoming housed is a very convoluted process. And so I have met folks who just have been promised so much and have gone to, you know, a shelter where after three months, they were back out on the streets. They were promised housing that never came. They've been uprooted multiple times. They've been through multiple shelters. And for a lot of folks, they don't want to go back into a lot of promises without actually getting housing. Majority of people are not what they would call service resistant. Majority of people are like, oh, they're selling me a bridge here. Mm -hmm. And I would rather not go down this road only to be disappointed again and again and again and again and again, and then not have housing at the end of it. Um, And so really, it's um, a structural problem with our system. And people who have been unhoused for a while have been through the ringer. And I don't know how they do it sometimes. I mean, I've literally been on the phone with clients who have just been crying because they were promised housing that never came, Mm -hmm. or they were told that they had to stay at the shelter for one more month, and they're being harassed there. And so there's a very human element to this. But this notion that people want to be homeless, that is just total BS. The system also requires you to make sacrifices to even start going through it. A lot of people avoid shelters because shelters say, you can't bring your pet with you. So uh, if you have a dog or a cat, you can't be housed with them. So you need to sacrifice having a pet. That can be a really hard sacrifice. You can't be housed with your spouse because we are a single gender shelter. They come with sacrifices. They come with requirements. They come with all these things, which housing first part of its beauty is that it doesn't require sacrifices of you to go into this interstitial thing so you can someday hope to maybe get a house. Well, also the the curfews too. People don't are not aware that people work and then they have these ridiculous curfews that, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, you have to be in and bed at six. And so people want to work and they want to better their lives. And the shelter system doesn't always support that. And Every time there's a sweep and you read something on the internet, somebody will say, oh, they offered them all this housing and they offered Mm -hmm. all them stuff. And people are just like, nope, 
don't want it. And I mean, it, it's just every time somebody writes that, I'm like, are you really thinking that's the truth that someone just said, no, you know, not today. It, it is so true. We had an experience at Union Station where uh, we were working in Northeast LA and there were two encampments, two large encampments right down the middle of a major road. And the city purchased two hotels and we went around and spoke to people, explained what was there. Same doubt, same, yeah, sure, it's not going to happen. We said, no, it's happening and we'll, we'll, we'll help you. A hundred percent of the people moved from the encamp- those two encampments into the hotels with no fighting it, no backlash. There was no police presence. And many of them have been able to move out to housing. Some of them have got jobs since then. And the neat thing is they've been telling their friends who are still on the street, no, no, it's real. It's real. And it shows you there was, there was just, once they really believed that it was happening, they were on board. And that's what we find out is once you build that trust and you let them know, in fact, there is something for you, people will accept it. So let me ask you, as you're doing your tour, how can communities respond? What would you like to see happen out there as you're doing this national tour, raising awareness around housing is a human right? What are you asking people to do? A big part of this tour is that the NCH accepts that it doesn't know everything about homelessness. Every locality is so different. The challenges they face, the local ordinances, the disposition of local city councils, these things are so different from state to state. We really want to hear from the people who are involved in this work, whether you be an organizer, someone who lives in a community experiencing increased rates of homelessness, whether you are someone with lived experience of being homeless. We want to understand your challenges in your local area. And so we're hoping that people will reach out to us over social media, turn out to events that we are going to be advertising, those types of things. We really want to have those conversations and get to know the face of what is one of the most complex issues in our country a little better. And then in addition to that, we hope that you get involved. You can show up to your local city council meetings. You can determine how your community responds to this. Get more involved in what is often viewed as minutia, as these boring meetings of not that much consequence. It is in those meetings that groups really change the face of housing in America. NIMBYs have done this for years, and a lot of the people affected never show up to the meetings, never have any say, and they, if they were to show up, would be a major percentage of the meeting. Their voice would have to be heard. And just for people out there who may not know, NIMBY means not in my backyard. So people who don't want to deal with it, they don't want it in their community. They basically want to get anybody experiencing homelessness out of their community, and they're not going to bring anything in to help them. This has been a wonderful conversation. I just want to give uh, a couple of minutes for each of you to say a few final words about the tour, about the work that you're doing, whatever you'd like to share. Please follow uh, our journey on any social medias at the hashtag NCH Power Tour. We will post there for all events that are happening near you, for ways you can get involved. We are coming to your region. We're hitting the West. We're hitting the Northeast. We're hitting the South. We're hitting the Midwest. We will be nearby. We would love to see you. 
We want to hear from you. We want to learn from you. So show up in person, but don't wait for us to get there. Reach out to your local representatives, your local city councilors. Those offices keep track of how many people call to talk about different issues. It's how they help set their priorities. It really does matter, even if sometimes it can feel like it doesn't. Please, please, please. It's the best thing in the world to do. And there are so many people who could use your help. So I think it's really important that people are starting a conversation about solutions and not just talking about what's wrong. (laughs) We need to develop policies that actually are going to move people into housing. We know what the solutions are. We just need to get them implemented. Some of the things that we're working on is to lower the cost of rent. Um, And so we're trying to, um, throughout the country, actually lift the ban on rent control in a number of states. We prioritize three pieces of legislation. One is to repeal Costa Hawkins. Another is to give property tax exemptions to nonprofits that have 100% affordable housing. And then uh, the third is to expand adaptive reuse. So utilizing empty buildings. We have 70,000 vacant units in Los Angeles alone. We have enough vacant units to house in our city, everyone who is homeless in the county of Los Angeles. So those are the three legislative goals. And then uh, long term for November 2024, our initiative, which will be on the ballot, and we're hoping to win this time. Yes, please check it out. Talk to your friends, your family, get out there. You know, we recently passed rent control in Pasadena. And nobody thought it was going to happen. But but the power of people getting out there made a difference. And it'll make a huge difference to people who are housing insecure and prohibit people from being evicted or losing their housing because they just can't afford to pay the rent. So watch for these things. Please vote. There is a solution to homelessness. And we know what it is. It just takes community will. It just takes political will. And it is the community that can make housing a human right. And we can end homelessness for all our neighbors across the country. So if you believe that housing is a human right, again, please join the fight at www.housingisahumanright.org and find out more about what you can do. Please check us out at Union Station HS. Dot org. Again, that's Union Station HS, as in Homeless Services. Org. So, thank you to our amazing guests today and for all of the wonderful wisdom and information that you've shared with us. Good luck on your journey across the country. This podcast is produced by Brenda Lynch and Katie Cookerly Dietrich, edited by Jesse Lumen, with production assistance by Colin Feldman. Special thanks to our Union Station Homeless Services Lived Expertise Advisory Panel, or LEAP, for their insights. And thank you to our audience today for joining us and listening to this episode. I encourage you to subscribe and listen to all our episodes and help us change the narrative about homelessness in our neighborhoods. Together, we are the solution that we want to see in our communities. Thank you all.